The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Land Tracks After Dark. Back from maybe our longest hiatus ever. Already a little rusty here. I can tell this is going to be a good episode, John. Uh, it is May 12th. I think we last recorded in March, early March, I would say. This was. Ooh, did we even make it to March? Look. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a question as well. It was Just definitely before, like, the NBA got canceled. That was a big turning point in this whole current situation we're in. Uh, I remember we were talking about the coronavirus pandemic, but it wasn't like we weren't all working from home or anything yet. I believe we even discussed that. But it's been so long, I really couldn't tell you for sure. So I guess first of all – March 11th, 2020. So that's the correct. day Gobert tasted positive. And then we hadn't recorded for a month before then. So we no, it was the been day. On, it was the day we've been the on quarantine for two months. All right. Well, that's not bad. That's honestly better than I thought. Um, yeah. That's not that bad. Uh, okay. So – we are back. There's obviously a ton of sports to talk about. Everybody listening to this will know it's a great time for sports. You got uh, Korean baseball going on. You got NASCAR is coming back soon, right, John? I'm sure you can speak to that. Yeah, um, but, I signed you a driver. I forgot who it was, but I could look it up. Okay, yeah, look it up. I need to know. I'm not, I'm not sure I'll watch. Even with nothing else going on, I'm not sure I'm going to watch. But do let me know. It's always good to have a rooting interest. Uh, but let's, I mean, how have you been, John? How's, uh, how's quarantine been treating you? Let's get the, let's get the run now. We haven't talked. Much I've at been all. good. We need, we need to not bury the lead and shame on me for not, for not saying any earlier, but, uh, congratulations on getting married. It's very sweet, Especially John. Good. Thank you. Yeah, it's true. We did. Uh, it's been uh, a week and a half. It's going great. You're supposed, we're supposed to have a big shindig in Houston weekend before last and then COVID screwed that up. So the party's been delayed, but the, uh, formal nuptials have not been it's correct so, thank you sir uh and we greatly appreciate your generous gifts your thank you note has been written i'm happy to say not been mailed out yet but it's it's ready to go so be on the lookout for that i know everybody that uh ever sends a wedding gift is just desperate for that thank you note you know it's such a huge deal yeah. I, I get one. one thing i will say is sometimes you get those and that the writing is like an inch and a half high, and they're clearly just trying to fill up the page. I just think it's really <laughs> funny. Shout out to yeah. Hunter Trutel. I remember when I, I got my thinking of it, it was like <laughs> pretty big text there. I love that. But uh, as a newly married person, I can relate to, to wanting to fill that text up. But yours is coming, John. Thank you for the congratulations. Yeah, it's been a busy couple of months, I got to say. Working from home has been uh, – very busy for me. Slowing down a little bit now, I feel like, because um, maybe the, the economy is catching up with all of our industries. I'm sure you can relate to that as well. But yep. just a ton of stuff going on. Planning a quarantine wedding, um, never leaving the house, just things that keep you from doing a podcast, you know. Uh, yep. 
John is on the Zoom. We're doing we're doing the first episode on Zoom, by the way. So I have full view of John. He's looking good. I'll tell you, he's wearing a beautiful. He got a fresh haircut today. Finally, New Hampshire opened up barbershops yesterday. So oh, very nice. We're living uh, free again. Yeah, I'll be. I'll I'll admit on the podcast here that I was very worried going into the wedding. Uh, I it had been since like maybe March first or so since I got in a haircut. Um, pulled some strings, ended up getting a haircut in a guy's garage uh, in the suburbs. Pretty legit setup. He had his whole barber chair, all his tools there. He's like a real barber, but obviously he couldn't work. So I can now say not only that I get married during a pandemic, I got a illegal haircut during a pandemic. Uh, hopefully, you know, no one's going to come after me after this, but it was, uh, it was a pretty good haircut. I was, and I, was, I felt relieved to get that out of the way before the wedding. Yep. So I have to say the other thing the uh, I, I I was aware that you were um, that uh, you got you and Angie were going to follow the historical Indian practices from a, or be pretty close from an attire standpoint, mm-hmm. garments or whatnot. But when I saw a picture on social media, I didn't go. I didn't have to step back and go. Holy shit! That was that's full bore. That's they full bore went in. It was deep. It yeah, was, we had uh, a we had an Indian wedding. Is that your is that your point? Exactly. I'm very impressed. Oh, the, but just see me, it's like you got all the garb and then you're barefoot, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I have I had some I had some really cool shoes. I can send you a picture of them too. I had some red and gold shoes, but uh, yeah. I was barefoot at, at the moment that picture was taken. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was awesome, man. There's a lot of fun stuff involved yeah. in those rituals. My favorite was probably. Uh, when they gave me some like yogurt with honey and sugar in it that I got to eat that her, her parents gave me that that was delicious. Um, there's another part where you eat candy, like had some like cashew candy that was really good. So overall, yep. way better than a, a Western wedding where you're just like standing up there for an hour. Some dudes giving yep. a sermon, all that kind of stuff. I definitely think this is the way to go. Um, yeah, and even even. Much smaller than it would have been, of course. I don't want anybody listening to get the wrong idea. It was only uh, yeah. our parents and our siblings there, but we did have a, a Hindu priest at a Hindu wedding. So very fun experience for me. Uh, my first Hindu wedding, actually. Looking forward to the next one. I got a lot of clothes I can wear now. So yeah, <laughs> fun stuff for sure. Uh, but yeah, as John mentioned earlier, definitely looking forward to hopefully one day people being able to travel again, being able to have a reception uh, invite all the same people that want to come to the wedding, stuff like that. So TBD when that'll happen, but hopefully, you know, for a lot of people listening that we're going to come to the wedding, you know, we'll do it sooner rather than later. We'll just have to see. Yeah. Tell me about your, your quarantine accomplishments, John, what you've been up to. Um, it's been interesting. I have flown in the pandemic twice now. Oh, wow. Uh, the first one was mid-March. Grandfather passed away. He was 89, oh. lived his life. We, we knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, he, it was interesting. he passed on March 10th. And so the Rudy Gobert tested positive. Tom Hanks was positive. The world shut down mm-hmm. March 11th onward. Mm-hmm. I flew down to Dallas the 17th. There were 40 people on the plane. There was nobody within three rows of me on the flight. It wow. was Logan had as many employee uh, employees as passengers. It was interesting. Yeah, uh, we ended up uh, the the funeral's been postponed because of COVID. It was literally that like day like day by day, hour by hour, things were changing. What the hell is going on? But the uh, diocese of Dallas three days before the funeral suspended all masses. 
the deacon didn't want to do it because of the number of 80 plus people, which totally makes sense. So I decided to postpone it. So I told dad, I said, look, come to DFW. He had been over with um, his parents' house for a month. He needed a break. I had vacation planned anyway. I was going to go to Vegas for March Madness that week, and that all got canned. And it was like, you know, I haven't had vacation yet this year. You need a break. So we, on the fly, said, let's actually DFW. Let's go of all damn places. Let's go to Big Bend National Park. We've always talked about doing it. It's in bumfuck West Texas where this virus, it's like the best place to socially distant, not deal with a virus. So we literally, he picked me up from DFW. We drove out there. We kind of wandered around. He was able to decompress. We were able to recollect, et cetera. It was cool. Um, it was an interesting trip. We looped back around, uh, went through San Antonio, up to New Braunfels a bit, and actually drove all the way over to Pensacola to visit my sister's mom. Mom had just gotten actually a dog. That's the newest addition to the Stefanczyk family, which is which is good. So I got to see them and then flew back up uh, Monday the 23rd. There were 12 people on my flight from Pensacola to Charlotte. Charlotte to Boston was 30 people, and they had canceled the first three flights of the day. So literally it was more airline employees doing a standby flying than actual passengers. And walking through Charlotte, I don't know if you've been through there recently at all. They do about 50 million passengers a year, and there was about twice as many employees in the airport as there were passengers that day. It was something to behold walking through that airport, seeing what – um, what it looked like and yeah, that's then um, crazy. you probably could have sat in any rocking chair you wanted huh yeah you could yeah all the rock you had plenty of rocking chair choices now yeah, yeah. last week i actually did a did a uh, did a trip for work we're consolidating uh, a facility is we are a critical or an essential business and we're making sure we're consolidating to strengthen our viability to serve our essential functions going forward how's that for a bullshit statement Mm-hmm. So I uh, traveled out to Illinois and went through Charlotte again. There were a few more people this time. Um, half the people I was trying to figure out, why are you in an airport flying? There were a couple few families going. It was interesting. But if everybody had met, ma- uh, most people had masks and everything. Yeah. But it's, um, it feels like, and I will say after traveling last week, and then I actually, I actually snuck down to Oxford, stayed with a friend, just because I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm on, on a plane, six-hour drive, and come down. If you're good, and I'm going to come down. I just want to have been quarantined for a month and a half. You want uh-huh. to do that. So we were, everybody was Gucci. So we uh, went down there. And it was, I will say that people are, I think there's definitely a desire with people to, to get out, start opening up and in a responsible manner, do it, but get out of the stagnation, which just feels like where we're at. And I think it'll be interesting. I think we can. There's, we do it if we do it responsibly, especially people our age. I think the risk levels and everybody's pretty confident it's much lower than say our parents and grandparents. Yeah, we I, mean, I, think, I think we'll see. Point. I definitely think that you're right that people are ready for it. Um, you know, here they've been really aggressive reopening stuff in Texas. Uh, restaurants are open again now. It's it's really up to if there's restaurants that are still takeout only, it's really their choice. Um, you know, they, they're, they're allowed to do, I think up to 50% capacity right now. Uh, and I think it's going to keep increasing the next two weeks. Um, they have plans in place to reopen everything other, I think than bars. So there's like a, there's like a 51% 
rule, which is like if you if you make more than fifty one percent of your revenue on the sale of alcohol, you're treated uh, differently than like a the, the, a restaurant. Um, yeah. So that's still kind of up in the air. But at the same time, when I drive around in the last couple of days, there are people sitting like outside the patios, places that I've always thought were just bars. So either they're mm-hmm. doing a lot more food business than I thought, or people are just kind of doing whatever they feel like. Um, yeah. So I think it remains to be seen what the outcome of all of this is going to be. You know, I don't know what things are going to be like in three months, but one thing I, you know, around here, when I look around and I, I see how dramatic the two months of closures were, and obviously everyone listening to this knows, you know, the impact felt throughout the economy. Um, I just find it hard to believe that that's, they're going to go back to that. I, I don't know how big the spike would have to be that they would actually do those same measures again. Cause it seems like once you let places start reopening, you're kind of already saying you're going to tolerate some level of, of you're going to need a worse second way than the first way. But I think it would have to be significantly worse because I think for the most part, we, we did avoid the terrible outcome that could have happened probably because yep. shelter in place was so yep. widespread and pretty much happened across the whole country for a long period of time. And so I think if, if numbers go up again and you try to kind of say, okay, let's all close this business back down. There are going to be a lot of people that say, well, it was an overreaction last time. So yeah. it's a very nuanced situation. And again, I have no idea how it's going to turn out, but I do think that things are going to keep reopening this summer. However, when you think about what this podcast is about, sports, college sports, I think the outlook there is extremely hazy. You know, we're supposed to be playing a, a football game here, Old Miss versus Baylor, and uh, what is it? four months less than four months now Uh, September 5th I believe yep yep and it's pretty impossible for me to imagine NRG Stadium you know having 40 50,000 fans in it at this point for that I just I I don't think the games the games I don't think that game's gonna happen I'm finding it harder and harder to believe that the college football season is gonna happen I think if students aren't gonna be allowed on campus it's gonna be impossible for the NCAA or the SEC or whoever to say yeah, but our student athletes will protect them differently, blah, blah, blah. If it's unsafe for the student body, I don't know how you make that argument without just seeming like completely ridiculous. Um, And I think today, California, this is kind of the first domino and maybe the SEC is going to do things differently in the Pac-12, but I don't think it's a good sign if you're someone that wants to see college football this fall, which I think is a lot of people because everybody's missing sports right now. We're all home. You know, we haven't seen any competition outside of Food Network in like, what, two and a half months. Um, it's a tough, yeah. it's a tough time for that. It's a tough time for sports. Yeah. Regionally, I would say the Midwest, like uh, outside of Chicago, like Southern Illinois, North Mississippi, Tennessee, it's a, it is a much different feeling. Uh, maybe not much. It, it's a different feeling than, say, even here in southern New Hampshire, Dover's been people. Have, I mean, people have gotten out, taking walks. People are making. You can tell. Hey, we're going to keep our distance. We're going to, and we're going to look to be responsible with this. Um, the proximity to Boston, um, I think, is an influencing factor there. So it's a little bit. I think, in many ways, people being a bit more cautious here than down in other parts of the country. And I was talking the couple people really. I think we can crawl. I think we can go through steps and open back up in most areas. Seems like the 
seems like the uh, the real challenges are going to be metropolitan areas that rely on subway systems. So you're looking at um, you're looking at Boston, New York, Philly, D.C., Chicago, and I think that's pretty much everybody. Even like Dallas, Houston, there's so much car traffic. I mean, you have buses, et cetera, but compare, if you compare it to, say, New York and other yeah, but no, totally. Like Houston's the fourth largest city, and yep. it was very, very mild here as far as actual cases, hospitalization, like per capita, yep. especially when you compare somewhere like New York, but even places like Mississippi. Um, yep. And I think that really has a ton to do with the fact that everybody takes their own car everywhere. Yeah, that's really bad. In New York, as we know, it's its own level of urban density, and it's been mm-hmm. the most, you know, it's suffered the most through this. So, Opening up New York will be interesting, how, how that happens and plays out and what people are willing to tolerate. So. Yeah, I mean, I do think I do think that the NFL will play in the fall. I think that's a different animal where you can yeah. play NFL games without crowds, which I think is going to be tough for college. And then on top of that, I think you kind of have to treat the college athletes the same way you treat all the other students. And that's something you don't have to worry about with the NFL. You know, yeah. Same for these, these NBA return plans, the MLB plan. Uh, mm-hmm. It can kind of be its own thing. I think some of those plans are super interesting. Like the, the, the NBA wants to have like a certain number of tests they can perform every week or whatever, so that every single person inside their bubble gets tested uh, consistently. It's an interesting concept. Um, I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I think pro sports are a lot more optimistic with outlook to come back in the next six to eight months than I would say colleges. And and again, we don't know if things are going to get worse seasonally like maybe this is going to be a bigger problem again in the winter i think that remains to be seen and that's something that a lot of people have discussed so that would really throw a wrench in, in the fall football season as well of course yeah. um yeah. the whole thing is just unprecedented i mean I, I think we've all kind of gotten used to being at home uh but when you zoom out and look at where we were a year ago or six months ago this all seems like pretty much unimaginable yeah I mean, we went from a blow, a booming economy to a mess that's going to have notable impact, very notable impact, big, bigger mess than 08. Um, I think we're at 30 million jobless claims yeah, now. Yeah, that's the thing. The impact on, on jobs is the, is the most mind-boggling part. I mean, and, and I don't think we've come anywhere. Uh, the full impact hasn't been recognized yet. I think what – I don't know if it's going to be J- July 31st or beyond when the federal uh, government $600 a month addition to the unemployment benefit expires. But yep. when that takes place, not all the jobs are going to be there. And that's really, really mm-hmm. another level of pain and suffering is going to occur. You look at the stock, nobody can explain why the stock market's not lower than it is relative to the economic data that's coming in. Um, it's going to be a mess and there's going to be a lot more debt to, debt which does that matter or not we'll see um yeah it's weird because so many industries are just destroyed right and and you see you see like how's houston specifically i mean oil has been but it's not just covid i mean the saudis went and went into a price war independent of covid in early march yeah the oil the oil the day here that oil went negative was pretty crazy i think it's it's buoyed somewhat because Houston today isn't the Houston of like the 1980s, right? It's not the Houston that built the skyline you see behind me on the Zoom call. Like those were all oil yeah. companies, you know. You got Enron back here as well. 
and uh, United. Where's the here. Where's the roller coaster ride of dreams, like in the Simpsons episode? Right. <laughs> right, and you have uh, you also have uh, the Continental Tower, which of course was bought by yeah. United. Uh, but the, the what I was saying was that oil isn't the only game in town anymore, which is good for Houston right now. You know, you have technology and medical, especially it's a really huge town for medical um, tons of hospitals here. And, you know, I have a firsthand look there with Angie going to work still every day, being at the hospital yeah. stuff like that, but it's definitely not good. And I feel like the full effects are still very much uh, being felt on an individual scale more than they're kind of being seen across society, partially because everybody is at home and you really only know how it's impacting your family, your friends, stuff like that. And I think everybody knows people that are, uh, on unemployment now and and we're working you know three months ago um and, and there's all these other complicating factors too where you have restaurant employees for instance that are collecting the yeah. increased unemployment you were talking about john and then they're you start reopening money. restaurants yeah, yeah. And, and that takes that away from them and they're only working two nights a week and the dining room's 10 percent full yeah. you know the whole and, thing and is going to be the PPP and SBA programs, they have to have 75% of it has to go towards payroll. Mm-hmm. It's not, it doesn't match their expense profile to keep them sustained open. It's really a, um, yeah. And then a, there's, I mean, there's so many, there's so much interconnectedness with the U S economy where you're seeing like, you know, agriculture was geared in this country to like 50% or more of it was for hospitality restaurants, hotels, and that stuff, that food is just going to waste while the grocery stores are suffering uh, yeah. because it wasn't, the system wasn't designed for, you know, 90% of people's food to come from the grocery store. Uh, it's such yeah. a delicate balance. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's going to take a long time before we can even look back on this and, and say what the true impact was. It's, it's still so early in that regard. I mean, you're talking about flying, but- you're talking about flying, John. I mean, if you told me in a year that one of the three major airlines doesn't exist anymore, I don't think I would be surprised at all. Yeah. If we were, if we had nationalized airlines, it wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's how bad things are getting for travel right now. I mean, here's the, there are, I mean, distinctive events that have changed behavior. I can think of in my life, think of in our lifetimes. 9-11 change, air travels, airport security. Um, this is that on steroids because um, you're going to have hygienic practices, social distancing, hygienic practices. There's going to be a portion of the population that looks at things differently as a result of this. Um, well, I think, it's, I think it's like, you know, when people, and we're a little young for this, but, you know, maybe our parents or grandparents yeah. even, when they had older relatives that had lived through the Great Depression, you know, that, that was their entire life. They had habits and things like that that carried through. And they, yeah. you know, they were, they were more money conscious than ever before. I mean, I think this is going to be a similar society-wide type trauma where it's yeah. going to be like a mark on our generation for the next 50 yeah. years. Yeah. What it seems like, and that's kind of being optimistic because that assumes something worse is going to happen in 10 years or five years. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's almost like that's the best case scenario is that we all look back and was like, we're like, Oh yeah. COVID-19 was really bad because that would mean that nothing worse has yeah. happened since then. Yeah. And then, yeah. The other thing too is, I mean, we've gone, we have, we have a handful of people in the warehouse packing and shipping parts every day. And we have a hand, a cup, like a less than five, 
well, that's the people that have to be in the office to run some uh, some office items such as cutting checks, et cetera, um, that need to happen on site. Um, out, so really out of 100, for us, roughly 120 employees, less than 15 people need to be on site. The rest telecommute now. And it's worked out pretty well. There, there's going to be a change in the structure of how much office space do you need? How do businesses operate? I mean, I didn't even know you could put fan, you know, put virtual backgrounds on your Zoom call until I saw that you had Houston, you know, <laughs> on the back of your drone there. I learned something new every day. And although I don't know why I didn't think of it, but anyway, the point is, is that I mean, you know, these private equity firms look at this and say, "Here's a way to reduce cost structure, oh, yeah. and I'm keeping you safer." It's and look, look at what yes. Amazon stocks done, Instacart, all these tech companies. There's I think going that's to fair, be but behavioral changes, and it's gonna it's gonna last. But do you really think that it's the same for productivity? I mean, I I think that's another effect that's going to be felt. Do you need to be on site 40 hours a week to garnish 90 plus percent of the face-to-face benefits or do you say work from home everybody meets at a common location twice a week to have face-to-face interactions do a social hour or conduct face-to-face meetings yeah. reviews honestly the we work model i mean it got totally botched in terms of execution but do you have a variable office space or do you say instead of 30,000 square feet, I need 10,000 square feet with it's all flex space mm-hmm. and you rotate who comes in. And if you have an all employee gathering, you just run an auditorium for the day and serve a meal and make everybody feel good. And that reduces your cost structure. I, I mean, I think you're definitely right that, that, well, okay. The way I, the way I talk about it to my clients, right. Is yeah. that there are all these things that are coming out of, this event that were always going to happen and that were always improvements, but this made them happen faster. And now people are realizing, realizing really how much they should like an example I'll I'll use in the industries that I work with is like uh, virtual tours for apartments or houses that are for sale. Right. That was always something that was a great thing for the consumer, you know, when available, if you can look at your house instead of going somewhere, take a walkthrough with the camera. Uh, it was always something that you should offer for your customers if you have the ability to. But with all of this going on, it became essential, and you saw this yeah. huge backlog for people to try to book, you know, Matterport and other companies to go out and record these. So I think working from home is a possibility to be in that same boat yeah. where we realize. Uh, I mean, it's great for people with families, right? You know, if we had like a two-year-old or something, uh, maybe I would want to get a job where I only have to work from home, and I can I can you know, be home more with yeah. the kids, save time commuting all of that. But I just, I have a hard time believing it's really going to be used to the benefit of the employee. If anything, I think it's like you're saying private equity says this is a way to save money and the it's, employee a, it's a cost reduction number or, or variableize. Hey, I've got a subscription of X number of zoom licenses a month. I think that's what everybody's into. So. Yeah. And I mean, really uh, for our industry, like in technology, we aren't necessarily paying for new things. We're just using the tools we already paid for more. Yeah. And we already did the majority of our work on Slack and email anyway. So we're we're, we're saying, Oh, Microsoft teams does this and this too. Yeah. Shit. We already have this. Yep. Ring central. We have this. Yep. Okay. We're going to use it more. Do you guys use teams, John? We use the shit out of teams. Teams is honestly pretty legit. I think a lot of people hate on teams. A lot of people are like, 
Slack loyalist, but once you actually use Teams, the integration there, I mean, it's basically Google Docs, Slack, and Skype combined into one platform. And it's um, got the horsepower of Office, yeah, which is I, Google Docs. It, teams, it, really, it really does. Microsoft, as somebody that bought Microsoft stock on the dip, we are fully big advocates of it being bullish and going up because it, it's all, and also it's all, I mean, you have, you need Office everybody has to have it and then it's integrated into these other share platforms and it's going to take off and it's yeah. going to keep so I, 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 I am impressed with teams as someone that comes from a shop that hates teams. I use it with my clients that, that, that yeah. live in the team's environment. And I'm like, this is pretty good actually guys. Damn. Uh, yeah. But whatever, John, this is by far the worst show we've ever done. That none of this is any fun. We have to have some sports topics. Hey, to we're on Zoom. Our back and forth's crisper than ever because we can see each other's mouths move. Hey, we're improving. We're That's rest. true. It's more of the content here. I feel like no one wants to tune in to listen to us two talk about all this bullshit that they think about all day anyway. The problem is, what is there to actually talk what about? What are you talking about? In sports, and I know one thing we should talk about, and that's in your neck of the woods. Walk us through what it was like when the GOAT left the yep. Patriots, decided he was going to move down to Florida. Just, just yeah, take us so, back to that day. Roger Goodell, a free, had a, a free agency was going to happen. So, so listening in here is, uh, you want to go by your real name? You want to go by your uh, go by a pseudonym? I could do whatever you want to do. I yeah. just want to explain my point of views. And so we have a uh, from there. So we, have Rob, we have my my buddy up here in Dover, Rob the Ringer, is a Pat Lowell Pat's fan from birth. Nobody loves Larry Bird more than Rob. Uh, that is true. Sports. Uh, you were now you're you're a little older than than Justin and I. You were in college actually when the 0-1 Super Bowl occurred, and you guys upset beat the Rams and. Whatever the hell that was, the oh, uh, February of 02, it was post 9 11. It's when everybody actually liked the Patriots. Absolutely. They were the underdog, America's team, post 9 11, the damn Rams, whatever they had won. You know, when you're a freshman team. in college yeah. and the uh, Patriots win the Super Bowl yeah. and the bars just open up to everyone, yeah. they, I think, in, in, in jest, like everyone becomes right? a fan. Yeah. yeah. They passed out champagne. They, so, the bars open to everyone, like regardless of age. Is that the story? There yeah. was there was no carding whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. is, uh, is Division That's three. I went to. Yeah. All right, Very Rob. Soft. So what? How, what was your reaction? Tom Brady leaving the Patriots. I I want to hear your perspective as a lifelong Pats fan. So there's three steps of of my of my phase, right? So there's there's the immediate reaction. You know, Tom Brady leaves. I hate the Patriots. What are you doing? Can you possibly believe that they wouldn't sign you? I'm mad at the Patriots. Why wouldn't they sign you? To the second step, which was, okay, all right. You know, I live in New England. I got to do it. I'm from Boston. You know, here's the area. So you have Patriots 1, Tampa Bay, and Tom Brady 1A. To then, you know, start this test going on and on and on. Then Gronk signs with Tampa Bay. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? There's, there's, you know, two of your favorite players leaving. Is, that's, is, that a, is that a slice of that, you know? And some people went to, like, oh, you know, kind of like screw you, me, maybe meet you in the Super Bowl, but very, very doubtful, um, to, uh, to kind of a hatred. But I'm not, I'm not going there with the hatred. I'm more in the, the Patriots 1 and Tampa Bay, a.k.a. Tom Brady 1A. Okay, that seems that seems fair. Um, I mean, 
I guess my question as an outsider, obviously following the story, um, is there a plan for quarterback next year? What what's what is your thoughts on what's going to happen there for the Patriots? So Stid the kid right. is uh, what Belichick calls him, yeah. and um, I I can't get past that. You know we we didn't, as in we the Patriots, didn't go out there and like poke the bear on you know an Andy Dalton or you know even. Um, I, I can't want. I don't want to say it, but I can't knew it. But there, there's this. Side be... note: Andy Dalton will take that Dak Prescott's job this year after he's injured. That's a lot of people think that. Very, very. But how? Very yeah. How do you not sign Andy Dalton and let him go be a backup? It just seems like at least throw him in the QB competition, right? So you're just so Stid the kid. That's Jared Stidham. I take it. This is Jared Stidham. He went to Auburn, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and only really got to play one to maybe one and a half years. Uh, but uh, I mean, Gus, Gus okay. is a goofball with his offense. I like, don't want to hate on Belichick. We can talk about Gus a little bit. He, he is Stidham really a Gus quarterback? I don't think so. Why not kick the tires in Andy Dalton? He could be a star. Yeah, but ex- exactly. Jared Stidham is not a proven NFL quarterback. Andy Dalton, at least you know what he is. He he could be a game manager. Isn't that what you needed for Belichick? The Red Rocket. I don't know. I met Andy Dalton in a DFW airport one time. He seemed nice. <laughs> uh, so Cam Newton, you, I thought that would have been fun. Wasn't there someone else uh, that was a possibility? Obviously, uh, New Orleans got uh, – you know I'm talking about from FSU. James. Who's the Dolphin guy? Yeah, Josh James Rosen. Wilson. Yeah, what about Josh Rosen? Ooh. Uh, you know, a lot of talent coming out of school, a lot, a lot of talent, great arm talent. Once he got to the NFL, he hasn't been able to beat on anyone. He hasn't beat on anyone, including, you know, the Miami old school 37-year-old Harvard quarterback. Fitz. Fitzpatrick. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you think – so – Patriots fan, you guys are up there. So right now, the general consensus is that Jared Stidham is going to be the the solution at quarterback this year. That's the thought. He's going to be the solution to a nine and seven Patriots team, which will be the quarterback. And uh, off to rebuild we go. Okay, but so but so is the hope like okay maybe he can be a long term solution. But it's it's how does it feel to see Jimmy Garoppolo and the success he's having now? Um, what was it, a two-year overlap but before he left and then Brady was gone? How's that That's feel? true. I think that hurts Bill Belichick a lot because Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick wanted to keep. Mm-hmm. He wanted to keep him. Yeah. He, he didn't, didn't want to move on. But uh, that was the hand of the Crafts, and the Crafts made him move on. And then uh, there you go, San Fran, there you go, Super Bowl. I know he was poor in the fourth quarter, but, but still. Hey, he had a great year. I mean, that, that, was a, that was a great team. I don't know how you could argue that. I think measuring them on one the second half of the Super Bowl is not fair compared to what everybody else did last year. Garoppolo is clearly a talented quarterback. How much longer do you think Belichick's the coach of the Pats? I think he's got five more years. I think he wants to – I think Belichick wants to break the record of Don Shula, who just passed away. Uh-huh. Um, yep. I think that. 319 wins is a target. It's got five years of 10 to 11 wins a year away, mm-hmm. and um, he's going to surpass that. And um, I believe that his son might take over, not 
not the Josh McDaniels of the world that everyone thinks it is. I think it's Steve yeah. Belichick that's going to hand the reins to. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Jonathan Kraft managing Steve Belichick. <laughs> hey, Joe Kennedy's polling well in polls from Massachusetts State Senate. So, it's all about dynasties. Yep. Uh, Got to have the name. Never asked you this before, Rob. Uh, changing sports. Is Brad Stevens going to win an NBA title with the Boston Celtics? Brad Stevens. Well, Brad Stevens was solely depending on the development of Jalen Brown yeah. and Jason Tatum. So, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum ascend to the next level. Okay, rings there are. But uh, but if they're just all-star players, then then no sir, no sir. And uh, you got you got a couple people that you also have to worry about with contracts yeah. and uh, and the kind of you have a solid four people there. But yeah. if Kemba doesn't get the ball and he's making all the money, you might have some worries there at the end. Yep. Uh, here's a question on that topic, right? So. I think a lot of people are thinking you take any sport, you talk about the NBA, talk about college football, maybe being disrupted with no spring football, no summer practice. People seem to be thinking when sports do come back, it's going to be a lot of wacky outcomes. So like say for instance, the NBA playoffs start in a month. Do you guys think that it's going to be, you know, Lakers, the, the teams that were doing really well that come out on top, or is this a chance for something really weird to happen? Um, I'm not sure how I feel either way. Ooh, that's a great question. Um, it's hard to uh, argue against uh, Giannis' technique where you just put the right. best player out there and yeah. have a man up on everyone else and dominate. Yeah. But but the same token, does which LA, which LA team wins? I have no idea. Hey, my Houston Rockets beat LA like two weeks before the season was suspended. You know, don't count out the small ball revolution. Uh, but I will say, I do think if the season comes back, and you told me Giannis just ran over everybody else who was out of shape from not playing, that would make a ton of sense. You know, it's almost like raw athleticism could win out in that situation. <laughs> yep. There was words I heard in the Boston media that Jason Tatum hasn't taken a shot since they've uh, stopped playing. That would be kind of dumb if I was a professional basketball player to not I mean, I could practice. see Jason Tatum coming back with uh... – 99% tattoo coverage. <laughs> he went from zero to 40 pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, he, that, could be, that could be pretty straightforward. Uh, so here's a question I was proposed. Just yeah. as, this, as this thing stops, and if you guys want to go in a different direction, uh, perfectly fine no, with me. I got a text, and I've gotten 15, 20 texts since. Um, I want – the uh, Mount Rushmore of ball handlers in the NBA that you've seen. Mm-hmm. So you get you got four choices. Yep. And you can just strictly ball handlers dribbling. And I'll give you some of the – if you want, I'll give yep. you some of the recommendations yep. that they have for you. Yep. Sure. Yep. All right. And just real quick, if you guys don't want to talk no, about it. No, it's perfect. It's perfect. Oh, we, we need the sports content. We need the sports content. We got Steph Curry, Tim Hardaway, Kyrie Irving, Ellen Iverson, Pistol Pete, that looks like a picture of Chris Paul, Isaiah Thomas, Kemba Walker, and white chocolate. And and then you could throw in some other people. Like if you're old enough to have seen Bob Cousy dish the around the back passes, you can you can throw them out there. But Bob Cousy. Yeah, I mean oh, I'm a Larry Bird guy, so I have to I have to throw uh, it out. Allen Iverson's on there for sure, yeah. I think. Yep. 
Um, uh, there was somebody else who said that I did. Okay, everybody talks about Kyrie's handles, of course. So yeah, Kyrie's safe bet. Earth's flat and he fucks teams up. I don't think. <laughs> I, I really don't. Well, but, but he's just ball handling. He might. He might have a. He might have a Is case. Rondo better than Kyrie though in ball handling? Uh, there, there's been uh, some Boston chatter that he is, but no one on the list. This list has him. I'll tell you why I have. I have Steph Curry, Allen Iverson, Kyrie Irving, and white chocolate. Jason, uh, Jason Williams. Jason Williams. Is Kidd better than Williams? Jason Kidd. A better pro, yes. Does he have a better ball handle? I mean, I was at a uh, Patriot. I mean, not Patriots. A Celtics and uh, New Jersey game yeah. where they were chanting wife beater at him. You know, I felt a little dirty for doing it, yeah. but, I mean, it, it was it was still a hey. thing. It was a thing. And us Boston people are very dirty, so we uh, win those. Yeah. Well, at least you own it, right? All right, okay. yeah. yeah. I feel bad. No. Iverson, Curry's. I see a lot of people online saying Pistol Pete was the best of all time. Yeah. We got to pay tribute to the uh, to the LSU SEC, mm-hmm. um, Pistol Pete, AI, Curry. Um, Have there been any NBA players, um, point guard wise, that have come out of Ole Miss to play in the league? No, almost not a basketball school. We'd like to be a basketball school, but yeah, I mean, you can count the number of actual like pros from Ole Miss on. Like half of one hand or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, Terrence Davis was having much, a great breakout how much rookie do you season. Eli Manning. Think, think about your answer to that question while we figure out our fourth year. Um, if he hasn't have stepped on his feet 40, 50 times in the NFL and been, been a really goofy, sort of likable guy, yeah. I would hate him a lot. But I, I can't say. I mean, even Peyton in his older ages has become yeah. comical. He, he roasted Tom Brady and Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson pretty good. Oh, I didn't even watch that whole video. Oh, that was great. I saw the highlights. I didn't see the whole thing. Yeah, we were – I was in college. John, were you at Ole Miss? I think you would have been a freshman, right, when Eli beat the Patriots with that game uh, in the Super Bowl? Uh, he beat yeah. Because I was time. a sophomore. Yeah, with the with the the miraculous catch and all, I remember that. Uh, the second time, the Manningham catch, as opposed to uh, I was in the I was in college. He the beat first him in time. 07 and eleven. Almost, yeah, eleven. That's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, Wes Walker drops the pass yeah. and ruined me on uh, undefeated season. But yeah, hey, can't win gonna, them all. What are you gonna do? What do yeah. you have to do? Uh, so no one for your Mount Rushmore's? Yeah, no, I'll say I'll say Iverson and Kyrie. I feel like those are obvious answers. What yeah, about like Chris a Pete like a Chris Paul or something? Chris Paul is probably damn good. I mean Steph Curry also, but it's it feels it feels dirty to put Steph Curry on your best ball handler list when he's also like the the shooter that he is and just generally I don't dislike Steph, but I think a lot of people don't like him as a player compared to you know the LeBrons of the world. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah, I don't have any outside the box. I don't have any hot takes on this one. Sadly, I wish I did, Rob. I would okay. love to drop a hot take yeah, yeah. anytime. It's always encouraged here. Yeah. I get you. So uh, good so question, though. Thank up. you. Yeah, good question. So I'm, so, I'm so, going chalk. I'm replying chalk. 
Yeah, that's fair. So pivoting, Pac-12 cancels their season. What does the SEC do? Do they play just conference games? I think the SEC is going to try to play. Hell or how hard. I mean, if you told me that the SEC schools all agreed to make all students come back just so they could play football, uh, you know, there are less crazy things that happen in the SEC. Actually, let me back. So, California says no. So, does the Pac-12 cancel? Does the NCAA say that they can't play in California? I think the Pac-12 is going to end up not playing at all. Does the NCAA say Pac-12 you can play, but it's, it's football players only? quarantine on campus we're going to play our games in states outside of california which you could do between utah nevada uh washington oregon it's possible well uh, i don't know but there was a clip of sankey on Feinbaum, and he was saying that the sec is not going to go against all the other conferences in their decision so that's um, interesting so the sec and the big ten are going to dump their tv contracts because of Gavin Newsom, I don't – there's too much – I don't think that that's going to be that direct of a line, but I think it's a sign of what's potentially to come. I just – I don't know. Yeah. It's too early to tell. The SEC is clearly I, going I, to wait another month, two months, before making any type of decision. That's definite. I would say the Pac-12 has a season and just does not conduct games in California. Mm. As opposed with no fans outside of California, as opposed to uh, canceling everything, because because let's be fair, you schools in the Midwest and the South and the Southwest they can conduct games. To me, a lot of places could conduct games without fans and be reasonable. And the TV contracts are going to warrant the need to do so. I just think I, I get the TV contract aspect. I think California is not going to be the only state where public universities are online in the fall. I so agree. Maybe no SEC state will fall under that, but it's clearly going to have ripple effects across. If college football is played, the schedules are going to be massively disrupted. Also, I, I don't know if small teams are going to be able to take the field. Like, I don't know if you're going to get your money games. Like, the, the programs are going to be hit way harder even uh, getting that, paid to go on the road and, and lose. Does this drive the Power Five separating, too? That's been a question asked, and it, it could. I mean, if you're a team like, you know, pick a, a Nevada or even smaller than that, you know, some team that you see on the – what's that team from South Carolina, uh, Wofford or something? Yeah. Or you're some HBC. Uh, it's Think how much cheaper it's going to be to just have your classes online and to try to bring everybody back and field a football team with no attendance revenue, with no donations. Yeah. The SEC and the Big 12, maybe, and the Big 10 and the ACC, maybe they can all afford to do that. And I, like you said, can they afford not to with the TV contracts? But I think if you told me they played an eight-game season, that would make more sense given what we know right now. I think it's very possible they play only con- – you can see a Power Five only conference games. Because also, and, then you're reducing you're reducing the exposure. If your concern is yeah. how many people come into contact with other teams and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's crazy because sports are such a big business, and college sports are such a big business that this has more implications. And here's the thing: if, like, if you don't play football, then like then you, you can't pay for softball, golf. Yep. yep. 
other sports. And well, and what do you think? You think you think alumni are going to be donating as much money to the school in general if they can't connect with the on Saturdays in the fall, like then and and have that whole connection to the university? I mean, that's a huge yeah. part of it. Yeah. And, and and then you tie in the fact that donations to colleges are clearly dependent on the economy anyway. And there's a million factors where this is going to wreak havoc across college sports and colleges in general. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they should have, maybe they should have voted for Bernie free college, get the, get the money from the government. And that's how you stay afloat and play football. Hey, I voted back for Bernie. And then the, uh, the establishment rigged it. And here we are. Yeah, and that's a direct correlation to where we are today. You can trace that all back. We better stay away from the political landscape of this. It is, it is unbelievable where, where we're at. I mean, par for the course at this point. I Personally, I don't think of this as a very political thing. I think, um, I think the people that act like if, if the president was different, things would be that much better or a little no. bit or a little bit delusional maybe things could be better maybe the response would have been faster and more well organized but i think a lot of this was kind of going to happen regardless based on the way we live our lives in this country um you know people aren't gonna take an abundance of caution until they literally think that their grandkid their granddad's gonna die or something you know like that's the way people's minds work here so yeah uh, just i don't know I don't know. I think this is a force of nature. I mean, this is this is like a natural disaster. Yep. What's interesting to me is you got Pelosi's eighty, McConnell seventy-eight, Biden seventy-seven, mm-hmm. Trump seventy-three. Why can't we? Why isn't anybody between fifty-five and sixty-five in those positions? As well, a because. Because it's, it's all a wait your turn. It's all a wait your turn system. The two major but parties. Had it gone past it, it feels like there's a gap there. And I've been trying to figure out what the deal is and still trying to come up with an answer that I think makes I mean, you could probably you could probably look at the people you're talking about, senators that are in that age range and, and pick out a few and they'll they'll be next in line for it's all it's all about waiting your turn and stuff. Uh, and it's yep. so stupid. I think there are some people that might disrupt that in the future. I mean, uh, AOC from New York is very popular. She could very well run for president in five or 10 years. I think she's 29 right now. Um, And I can't say it would be like an Obama-like effect, but someone like her, I wouldn't be surprised if if we have another young politician break in soon. But across the country, when you talk about the Senate, the House representatives, and all the state legislatures, all that stuff, it's really hard for individuals to break in to those electorates because the people that vote in all of those elections are very old. And the people yeah. that win have the power of their name being in the office for 40 years. And the whole thing is just like a cycle that it's seems very hard to imagine being disrupted wide widely, but I don't yeah. know. A lot of things are disrupted right now. Maybe stuff can change. Yeah. We'll see. Who knows? Do you very, think very serious uh, episode, John, a lot of, a lot of big topics. You think Ole Miss plays football this fall? May 12th. I mean, I, I think this the safe bet is yes, because the definition of football can be broad, as we've discussed. I mean, you, if yeah. they play just SEC games, that's still playing football. So as of right now, I would say more than 50%, they play one football game or more in the fall. But 
I'm telling you, this California news today, I think that is something to keep an eye on. I think it's going to be a domino effect, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's, there's no football in the fall. Um, and who knows about basketball or baseball after that. I think the NFL will happen, but outside of that, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think pro sports will get back going in some way, shape, or form. Well, I think the MLB has to be looking at what's going on in Korea and thinking. But the, the problem for the MLB and the NBA is that the athletes aren't on board. I mean, they're already mad because they've had their pay cut during all of this, and then you're telling them their lifestyle is going to be significantly impacted. If you don't, if you don't play the season, you don't get paid. Well, we'll see what happens. Depends on who it is, right? You know, the superstars might say, "All right, I'll set this one out. I got my endorsements. I, I'm okay. We'll, we'll see. I don't know." That's, that's how many people out of a whole league. Yeah, but that's the people that you, you turn on the TV to watch. Yep. Fair. Fair. We'll see. It's. Uh... It's a hell of a time. So yeah, I, I, I don't think in our lifetime there's ever been this much uncertainty. I mean, I think uh, you compared it to 9-11, and that was, what, a day, three days, well, a week of, a mean, week of not, panic? Not to, not to undermine it, it was a horrible day, but we physically saw what happened. Here's what we need. Here's what needs to get cleaned up. Here's what needs to get fixed. Here are the security changes, and then we take, go through the process of building confidence. Yeah, we still I mean, have no we still have no idea what the hell we should be doing right now, and I don't think yeah. anybody has any confidence. That anybody has a clue what it should look like. It's just no, I agree. Of, there's 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 everybody's no blind right now. And never before have we had such a lack of information, uh, like critical information of what you should do to to like no one really knows. It's still very much unknown. Um, yeah. And like I said earlier in the show, I think we just have to hope this is the worst pandemic that we see in our lifetimes, right? Because yeah. at least at least it's not something more horrible somehow. So the whole thing is just is just crazy. But at least they people have us two months without us. They can turn it on and listen to us pontificate about what everyone else is talking about. It's gotta be a really exciting day. So you're welcome yeah. everybody. Yeah. You're welcome. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Come back anytime, you know. It's out you guys must be quarantined together, huh? So it should be fine. We have a quarantine packed amongst a few households here in Dover. Okay, there you go. So there used to be some drinking games that happen every once in a while, right? <laughs> well, it was great to have you. I love the New England perspective. Uh, John, you got anything you got anything else you want to touch on before we leave the people for this week? No, that's enough for now. We can have some more fun. Next yeah, I mean, we can't we can't use up all our sports talk. We probably have like several more months that we have to fill up here. Yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll review NASCAR next week. Okay. All right. Ryan okay. Blaney's your driver, by the way. Ryan Blaney. Let me write this down. Ryan what's Blaney. his What's his sponsor? Uh, he's number twelve. Uh, he he. Everybody's got like three sponsors these days. I know Pennzoil sponsors him a little bit. Okay, that works for me. One of the <laughs> one of the best buildings here is uh, downtown is the Pennzoil Plaza. So, Ryan yeah. Blaney. Okay, I'm checking him out now. Does he have cool colors at least on his? Oh, this guy looks really cool. Yellow and black. He's got a Monster Energy hat on in this picture. Okay, I accept it. Is he? Is he have any chance to do well? Or are you setting me up with a perennial loser? He, he's he's young. He's on the young, talented side. Okay. All right. I'll so take he's it. a. We'll see. We'll see. You can try him out for a couple races so, if you don't like it. You can switch. Real quick, John. Last thing, as someone that follows racing, I see Ryan Blaney is five seven one sixty five. Is NASCAR kind of like horse racing? Are these guys all small? How's that go? Typically, so 
racing karting in particular which i which i participated in uh smaller people lower center of gravity is an advantage it's less of it's less of the deal when you're in higher levels but it's but that's like the minor leagues through the ranks yeah yeah yeah. tends to be uh, an item yeah it's a mixture like brian newman's a big stocky guy tony stewart is a big stocky guy right um but you tend to get people because because the way to get to the you need to bring money sponsors with you to get to the higher levels so you you have people younger growing up tend to be um tend to be smaller and get financial backing from that standpoint (laughs) tony stewart was only five nine so there you go is that it? Well, he's like 240. Tony Stewart's stock. He's 180. But yeah, I got you. I believe you. Interesting. That's no, the, that's the kind of insights. Tony Stewart was 180. <laughs> These are the insights that I turned to you too, John. I appreciate it. All right. Well, that's it. That's it for now, guys. Again, thank you, Rob. Thank you, John. Stay safe up there. Uh, you know, keep trucking along. We all got to do what we got to do. Uh, great talking to you guys. And uh, we'll talk to you again sooner than two months from now. I guarantee you that much. All right, later, guys. Ain't no shame in the get down. Get down.